You're listening to Big Girl Money, and boy, is this an episode full of goodies. Yes, sir, Bob. <laughs> Divorce sucks for everyone. I don't know from personal experience. <laughs> Wendy does. I'm just... Thank you, Ronnie. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, oh, girl. That was a zinger. Yes, oh, it was. Okay. But... We dive into how women and men are experiencing the financial impacts at completely disproportionate levels during our big girl take. Can't wait for that. (laughs) Next, we all know how companies are typically organized. The big sharks manage the medium sharks, manage the baby sharks. But come to find out there's another way. Holacracy could be the organizational structure of the future. And we talk all about it with Holacracy coach Debbie Shoemake. And as always, we end with a big girl spotlight that reminds us, Making big girl money is sweet, but what you do with your newfound freedom can be even sweeter. Thanks for listening. deal with the divorce joke no problem <laughs> so slightly in, slightly in bad taste just hit me wire it hurts <laughs> i won't talk about your lowest points in your life like being fired from your last two jobs. <laughs> i did not get fired from my last two <laughs> jobs oh i didn't get double fired okay now we're even yeah that was <laughs> That's ugly. Girl being hater girl. Now let's say something we like about each other. Oh my gosh, I have to pick only one? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you go first. Okay. I like your laugh. Oh. When I edit and I make a joke and I hear your laugh, I go, Wendy has such a good laugh. Because <laughs> Wendy thinks you're funny. I, I can't say I like you because you're funny. No, that okay. would be like stealing what I just said to you. <laughs> it's like when Zach would do something wrong when he was a baby, I'd say, you have to give your sister a compliment. And he'd say, she has hair. <laughs> so that's not a compliment. That's a fact. She has hair. Yeah. I love that. That's I said, so now if she was bald and she got hair all of a sudden, it'd be a compliment. But you, your sister's not bald. <laughs> she said, he said, she was when she was a baby. Oh, my. He's sassy. I said, you're too smart for your own good. <laughs> All right. So my compliment for you is how much you care about the people in your life. Oh, You are one darn sweet girl. Oh, I know you don't act like it sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> Can't be sweet all the time. That's right. You'd be a pushover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Looking now forward- that we like each other again. Yes. And that was our first on-air <laughs> fight. I'm glad we got through that. Tell them how much I love you, though. What did, what did we oh, just... Oh, Wendy loves me so much <laughs> that we literally just went into her closet and she let me take whatever clothes I wanted for my first week at my new job. And yes. I took a, a lot of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so cute because you said, oh, I've got three. That's enough. <laughs> no, I ended up with like seven tops, I think. You know what my biggest fear with of that was? What? You weren't going to like anything I had. Oh, no. What? You had great style. Yeah, but don't I'm you older remember than when you. we went to our photo shoot? Oh my God, to get right. styled, and that's you walked right. in, and the lady goes, "I don't even. You don't even need anything. You look fabulous." <laughs> Meanwhile, I had to try on like five outfits. Of yeah. course, I'm gonna like your stuff. <laughs> well, you're so sweet. I'm so excited to wear it. I know because I start my new job. And and, and isn't it fun? I mean, this is the kind of thing I wish somebody would do for me, right? Because yeah, you just want 
to feel your best. And yeah. boy, do you feel better when you put on something that you that's new and and you. I mean, I, I totally just, agree. You sound like Stacy London from What Not to Wear. Well, and and Tan from Queer Eye. So yesterday, I had to get um, speaker gifts for the quarterly community breakfast mm-hmm. that we have. Uh, we had our first one yesterday, mm-hmm. so I got. Um, I was looking for speaker gifts, but you know how it usually is. I'll get one gift for them and maybe one little gift for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's like Christmas shopping. One gift for mama and one gift for Wendy. Yep. So um, I found the cutest off-white dress. Oh, yes. And I wore it today. And it was, it just, I just felt so good. What would you have done if I had grabbed that and said, I'll borrow this? Oh, totally. I would have loved really Mm -hmm. wow yeah and maybe when i was younger and not so what's the word giving or amazing beautiful just living my life with full grace yeah you big silly (laughs) no i just i just love seeing you happy you know because well it reminded me of during my college days one of the best things about college was living with three other girls and we literally had like three closets total or four closets total yeah could wear anything you wanted out of anybody's closet but we did have a rule like if you bought something and you'd only worn it like once oh it's kind of off limits yeah. like you had to have it for yeah, at least get a it. couple rounds yeah and the funny thing is you all in the same s- sphere right mm-hmm. so you didn't want somebody to see it on them before they saw it on you Right. But with me, I'll never see the people that you see. So it doesn't bother point. me. Exactly. So I just did a huge closet cleanse. I know. You with were telling thread me that. Up. Have you heard of Thread Up? You told me about it and now I want to do it. Yeah. It's awesome. I dropped off my two bags. Bada bing, bada boom. So easy. Would you do it with me? Would you go through my closet with me? Yeah. And while I'm doing the healing? Yeah. I would Marie... What's that lady's name on Netflix that has a show all about organizing? Oh, yeah. The Maria... Uh, yeah the joy of organization yeah, or something yep. i would do that to you i love it oh a joy of organization your ass maybe we could even make enough room in your closet for chris that is not <laughs> important to say on the air and never say it in front of chris i already did he is i support you 100 percent, and i'm 99.9 percent of the time gonna be on your side <laughs> i might a little bit be on chris's side this time it is ridiculous <laughs> i know i have a problem <laughs> And Wendy literally has her mastectomy so soon. Yes. And she's going to be doing some major TV binge watching during recovery. Yes. So people tweet us or email us or whatever your TV recommendations because Wendy's going to need some. But I really, guys, need funny uplifting. I can't do dark. Right. Nothing dark. Nothing scary. Keep it upbeat. I love it. Right. I will, will be eternally grateful. Okay, maybe that's a little much. <laughs> I didn't think so, but not dramatic at all. No, none at all. So what do we got today? Today, well, I already said what we got in our I'm intro. sorry. Remember? Let's jump into what we got today. <laughs> okay, today we got our big girl take. You yes. know what we got. You Ooh, have it. I'm so excited. When you're asking me what we got, I was like, am I supposed <laughs> to have something? <laughs> you got it. So I, you're making me nervous today. Yeah. Earlier, Wendy was back there looking at the computer. She's the one that records it on her computer because mine is kaput. And she just goes, oh, I think I messed up. I think I messed up. That's not what you want to hear from your podcast partner. Never. That or your doctor. Yeah. I think I messed up. <laughs> I think I messed up. Ugh. No, but it's all good. Yeah. 
You didn't actually mess up. No, but I'm telling you, I'm a little. You gotta believe like, in yourself. Lean into your honey. Your this is technical all, attribute. This is all based on the cancer. So it's like I I'm second guessing myself all the time. I'm forgetting things. Right, right. So they say that's going to stop after I get through this. I bet it and will. And I'm going to come back. So no. I hardly ever notice your cancer brain. Thank you. You're welcome. I guess it's it's you. You're probably more worried about it. Yeah. Than, it's like when you have a tiny pimple and you're like, oh my God, everybody's Everybody looking sees at my it. pimple. Yeah. It's not even true. It's very true. I hope that's true. All right. <laughs> let's jump into the big girl take. Yes. Hit okay. me with it. So this whole story was pretty interesting to me it's um this this idea that gray divorce is harder on women okay and gray divorce remember is this new term they're calling people who divorce after 50 okay so okay. so people who have probably been married for a long time yes and or in most cases right right um, no, yeah, not all cases. so when i was when i went through a divorce after 25 years people had told me it's this Seven years, 14 years, 21 years thing, Uh-oh. where at each of those stages, people tend to get divorced after those, at those really? intervals. Weird. Yeah. It's really weird. That's kind of giving me the creeps. I wonder why oh, that is. Oh, yeah. So 21 years was close to that 50 mark. Oh, right? okay. So the divorce rate in general fell 18% between 2008 and 2016. So that was... Oh. That was per um, Newsweek. That's good. But among older adults, the gray divorce rate for those over age 50 has doubled. Oh, my God. In the U.S. since 1990. Why? Isn't that crazy? That is insane. I know. I know. So an estimated... Just because it's more acceptable, maybe, to well, be divorced? Well, so let me tell you what, oh, why okay. they think. So I will not interrupt. So an estimated 828,000... Older adults are anticipated to divorce in 2030, by the year 2030. Wow. Per Bloomberg, in 1990, it was only 206,000. Oh, my God. So, like, times four. So, 828,000 compared to 206. Wow. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. Right? So, why do you think more older folks are divorcing after 50 years, Ronnie? Why do you think? Uh... Maybe because people are less uh, like religious now, not mm. so, not as traditional. It's like more acceptable to get divorced. Maybe interesting. Maybe online dating has made them realize that there's this whole <laughs> world of other lovers at their fingertips. <laughs> wow, you I are very know. creative with these answers. Yeah, I just I pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> so, so a number of factors have led older adults to propose to pursue divorce at greater rates, including. Longer life expectancy. In other words, it used to be I'm 50, but I'm only going to live to 70. I'll buck up. It's 20 years. (laughs) Now, you're 50. It's so romantic. Yeah, really. Buck up. Just do it. (laughs) But now, I mean, you could live to 100. Right. So that's 50 more years. Yeah. Right? A popularity of remarriage. Greater financial autonomy for women. Oh. So women now have more options. Before it was, I've never worked. How would I even would sustain I even, myself? Right, 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 right. Um, evolving views of marriage. All of That's this. That's kind of like what I said. It is. It is. I like it. According to Susan Brown, sociology professor and co-director of the National Center for Family and Marriage Research at Bowling Green State University 
and the U.S. News and World Report uh, contributor Heidi Godman. Both of them came up with all these reasons based on, uh, you know, talking with people right. and looking at the data. So, <laughs> so not online dating. <laughs> so Brown told Bloomberg getting a gray divorce is a major financial shock. Not only does divorce after 50 cut wealth in half. Oh, my God. But it seems the standard of living for women drops 45%. Wow. Is that crazy? That is For crazy. men of that age, it only drops 21%. Oh, my God. So it's ridiculous, right? It's like women suffer bigger penalties for getting a divorce after 50. Yeah. So this is what intrigued me about this. Right. So late in their careers... Older Americans simply don't have time to undo the financial destruction that a divorce causes. Women who spent years at home caring for children find it difficult to re-enter the workforce. Well, kind of like what I said. Mm -hmm. One of the center's previous studies discovered a 27% poverty rate for women over 63 who divorced later in life. 27%. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's higher than any other senior groups, including widows. Oh, my God. It is worse to get a divorce than have your damn husband die. (laughs) Can you believe it? Financially speaking. Well, that's true. (laughs) You're right. So one other interesting statistic that came out of this article was a recent T. Rowe Price survey found the median 401k balance of baby boomer women, which is me, to be 59,000 and is less than half of what it was for baby boomer men, 138,000. Oh. Half, right? Do you, when you get married, do you still have just one? You each have your own 401k? You each have it. But when you get divorced, you have to split, you know, you add them up and to split them in half. Most people do. Okay. okay. Right? It's 50-50. Right. Um, Now, it's funny. I say that for me because we've about made the same. When we got divorced. Right. right? So wouldn't you think that maybe finding a new partner would help the situation? Like remarrying. Yeah. Yes. But women who often live longer tend to be less interested than men in finding a new spouse. Really? We don't want another man. In (laughs) fact, my friend Brenda's mom, her dad died about the same time mine did. Mm -hmm. That was about 20 years ago. I was thirty. 36 and her dad died about the same time mine uh-huh. and we she asked her mama well are you gonna date she said no one man in one lifetime is enough <laughs> i said damn that's so funny right no she doesn't have to date men all right she could get out there with some ladies she could but she didn't want neither she didn't want she nothing she said no None partner for me <laughs> i've had enough that's funny and now I wonder, but the men want another partner. Uh, older men partner up with younger women. Oh. That's the appeal they think. I see. I Isn't see. that interesting? That is interesting. So about 22% of women and 37% of men who've gone through a gray divorce find a new partner. Wow. So 22% of women have found a new partner, but 37% of men. So then that differential has to be men finding women that it's their first marriage so they're probably younger maybe they're younger yeah right yeah wow isn't that crazy Mm -hmm. so is it weird for somebody like you who's not married yet to hear this information how does it hit you 
Well, the first thing it makes me think of is on Instagram, me and my girlfriends get these like really creepy DMs from men. Like strangers. I I could find, yeah, being like, like, I'm looking for a sugar baby. I'm a sugar daddy. I blah, 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 blah. No way. Yeah. Like my, some of my girlfriends get them all the time and I've gotten An them An older before. man. Yeah. Looking for a sugar baby. And that never happens. I've had men reach out to me in LinkedIn that want to ask. <laughs> People just, are sliding into your LinkedIn DMs. Can you, you believe, on a date? can you believe that? <laughs> that's so funny. Isn't that weird? That's Yes. That's right? weird. That is not what LinkedIn is for. Well, doing it on people... Instagram is weird. Doing it on ugh. anything is weird, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Facebook, you know, like you'll get a random request and you'll go say, do I know this person? And then you don't. And then you just delete the request. Yeah. Well, that's right? what I do with those Instagram messages. I'm like, delete. But the fact that they're so upfront about it like this. Yeah. It's p- pretty brazen. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It makes me feel like I need a shower. I know. Me too. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that's the first thing it made me think of. But um, yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of scary. Right. I wonder if that now that women are hopefully we're closing the pay gap and we will be making as much money and be a little more financially independent, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. But I also think women aren't taught about how to handle their finances as much as men are. Because I think even women my age, our parents kind of think like, She'll get married and her husband will handle that stuff. Mm-hmm. So then they don't really teach you about it so much. Yeah. But you need to know it. Totally. So. Totally. And I've told Madison, I just want you, you don't have to work. Uh-huh. You know, if you want to stay home, have kids, even though this is the same child who was scared. I said, what is your biggest fear about working at this overnight camp in Copper? Is uh-huh. it hidden one of the children? <laughs> so this is not one of those people I'm worried that all she wants to do is have a family because we, she may not reproduce, right? <laughs> she may not we reproduce. We may have to ad- adopt your child whenever you get one as our grandbaby. Um, we may not have any. so That's okay. The more babysitters for my future offspring, the better. You know it. You know it. Chris and I will be the cool grandparents. Ooh, I like it. You like it? Yeah. So, um, but where did I go? Where was I coming from? With I don't know. I got to the grandparents. <laughs> I, oh, you were saying you always tell Maddie she should do whatever. If she doesn't want to work, that's right. fine. But, but always have <laughs> the option to make your own money. Right, right, to right. To have had your own career. Right. So that if you do take a pause, you can come back to it. Mm-hmm. Because you need options. Right. You should never feel like you don't have options. Yeah. But I, I think with this, what I want her and you to hear is... To be really intentional about setting yourself up early mm-hmm. on 401k, on saving and being out of debt. Right. So that you understand doing it the way it's always been done will put you at a disadvantage. Right. I just think that, like, I feel like people tell you that all the time. Get ahead of it. Start when you're young. But nobody, I've never been in a class or had anyone sit me down and be like, this is what a 401k is, and this is how it works. This is what this is. This, wow. This is how investments work. This is how taxes work. When you make more money, you're going to be taxed at this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like the only time I've ever gotten there was like super clear roadmap was at your not just oh, a yeah. rib. Those people. With financial. Those they financial. literally had like one of those web things where it's like, <laughs> 
if this is your situation, then do this. If yes. this, then do the, the if yes. they told you what you should be paying off first, if yes. it's above a certain percent interest rate, maybe it's because I'm an engineer, but I like when it's like laid down like that so mm-hmm. specifically. Right. Which is really cool. Yes. So I would, we need to get them on the podcast so they can do that. But I watched, the reason I got so intentional about this was I watched my mom after my dad died at 61. She didn't know how to do a checkbook, a balance a checkbook. Oh, wow. She didn't know where anything was. She didn't know how insurances, insurance worked. And she didn't know how to, she had never put her own gas in her car. Oh. So when I went back to help her. Yeah. Because my, my brother and sister were helping her too. But Madison was just born. So I was, our, I was on maternity leave mm-hmm. for six months. And so I would come back, just carry Madison with me. And we just went through and I backwards engineered my whole, all my dad's file cabinet and figured out where everything was. Wow. And then I helped her figure out what was what and how to put her gas in. And <laughs> and she, at first she was like, why do I have to do this? You just got to do it. Buck up, little soldier. <laughs> right. No, I think I was nicer than that. But yeah. But it was more, we can do this, mom. You can do this. Yeah. You're smart. You're smart cookie. Exactly. She, like she, you can do it. Yeah. At any age, you can learn how to do that stuff. So I went back and said to my spouse at the time, I don't want to be like my mom. I want to know where everything is. But it was pretty, pretty tough situation when we got divorced and I had to do all of it myself then. Oh, yeah. Right. So Because you hadn't done it before that? Never. Really? Never. Mm -mm. That's crazy. He he wanted to do it. He was kind of controlling around that situation. Wow. Right. A lot of people my age are getting married, but they're not splitting combining their, finan- their finances I'm at all. I'm telling you, I can totally get this. Yeah. And a lot of people keeping their own checking accounts. Wow. Their own. But some of the stuff still has to, like insurance is going to be combined. Right. And right. If you buy a house together, that'll be combined. So yeah. I think there ends up being one person that's more in charge than the other, no matter how hard you try and keep it well, separate. And you want to do it like companies do it, right? Hopefully, whoever has a knack for it and enjoys doing it. Exactly. But they don't just freeze out the other person like they don't know anything. Exactly. Right? It's just like with any great relationship. You actually talk through things. Mm -hmm. You talk through your joint goals. Yep. I just wonder if I'll want to combine everything or not. But I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes, you will. And just <laughs> talking it through and having that discussion yes. will do better than 95% of people, I think, right. probably. I know. Well, so. and it's so nice to have mentors that know about this kind of stuff, like Parker wanting to get into real estate. Yeah. I know wants you to help him a lot with that. Right. You guys were talking for a long time the other day. Totally. Well, yeah. and I've talked to Maddie about having rental property, and she doesn't want it because oh. she sees what a pain it is for her dad. To rent? Uh, to have rental property. Oh, but you have rental properties. Um, I do. And I guess I haven't bitched about it as much as he has. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on that killer joke because that really made me laugh. <laughs> so now let's talk about holacracy. What an interesting interview. Oh, I know. I hadn't even ever heard of it. No. I'd always thought, like I said, it big shark medium shark baby shark you know yeah you have a manager and he has a boss and or she has a boss blah, 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 all right. the way to the c-suite right but that's not the only way to do it people right Turns out and it's important to know these things are coming down the line right so that you can you know sound like you're in the know and exactly and also do some reading on this stuff yeah. and, and we're going to give you some great resources as part of this interview exactly and our awesome female entrepreneur listeners maybe they want to organize their 
companies like this? Yes. All right. So the person we have on to, to give us the whole lowdown on this holacracy stuff is Debbie Schumick. Debbie has built her career centered around the people side of organizations. She has created and facilitated development programs across the globe. Debbie is currently engaged at Archer Point, energizing the role of talent and leadership development in the vision and integration circle, helping fellow employees realize a deeper and more full expression of their purpose. Play the interview. You know, well, what, what do you do? Where do you work? And she starts chatting about it. And I said, well, what's the culture like? And she said, well, we use this um, architecture in the organization called <laughs> Holacracy. Yeah, you Holacracy. 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 And I was, tell me more, right? <laughs> and what we like to do with our, we're always thinking about our listeners, how to get them to understand these things and look more together and knowledgeable. And we thought, wouldn't it be, and I am especially passionate about where should, could organizations go next to mm -hmm. become more um, valuing of the opinions of the people in the organization, right? And this Absolutely. whole structure so is kind of... It's designed for that. It's cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how does it work? How is yes. it different from yeah. how does it work? a traditional company is organized? Yeah. So... It is really the opposite of a hierarchy. So the traditional okay. management hierarchy was something that was that served us insanely well and almost to the point that we've out um, complexified ourselves through it. So mm -hmm. businesses have been super successful using this management hierarchy model that was designed by Alfred Sloan in 19... Oh, sorry. Yeah, 1921. Really? The, okay. So it's almost 2020, so it's almost 100 years old. It's old. That The whole management hierarchy, Yeah. it's not to say that it's totally broken, but there are some things in management hierarchy that we all know and have seen. And had to deal with. Right. We've all had to deal with politics. We've had to deal with, you know, just trying to elicit change in an organization. So mm -hmm. depending on where you are in an organization, you might be really well positioned to observe something mm -hmm. that the CEO is not positioned yeah, to observe. Sure. Right. So right. you're a very, what holacracy would call, like you're a unique sensor for what could be better in an organization, which holacracy calls attention. And attention is just, there's a difference or a gap mm -hmm. between how things are and how they could be. So it could be uh, okay. a an opportunity or it could be, you know, something is really getting in my way. So I have a tension about that. And there's yeah. energy as part of that. Sure. Got it. So in the hierarchy, there's a few assumptions that we all kind of just still think are true. Um, like when somebody thinks about starting a new business, they probably don't think so much about like, where do I want the seat of power to reside? They think, I'm starting the company. The power will reside with me. I'll be the CEO. And then I'll have a management chain. And this is how decisions will be made. Yeah. And that's an assumption that in order to scale a business, that we need this pyramid type of structure, which has worked for us in the past. But with holacracy, there's a different way of structuring an organization and, and being intentional about that structure well, yeah. instead of this what usually happens with especially startups is 
you kind of get what you get. Right. Because it's like it, it, it's organic growth and some big pushy person becomes the, <laughs> yeah. the one that decides everything. Exactly. Instead of the right person who owns it and mm-hmm. might know about mm-hmm. that explicitly. Yeah. Now, you remind us again, um, the company you work for does use this. Yeah, we do. So we're on a journey with Holacracy. Um, we have a CEO and a CFO. Those are the only kind of titled roles that we have. Um, in a in a holacracy or a holarchy, you don't have managers and you don't have like a job description. You don't. I don't have like a. I have a job, but I don't just have one job. I have four different roles in this company right now, and I've been with it for uh, eight months. So wow, I'm still wow. learning. I'm still practicing. I started with one role, and now I have four. And all of those different roles have a different purpose. They're connected to the broader purpose. And they all have a different set of accountabilities where I have full authority to make decisions um, and accountabilities as um, described in our structure. Wow. So what? Uh, so Brian Robertson designed this. And I have so much respect for him. I've had an opportunity to go to a five-day workshop that he facilitated and oh, that's written cool. a, a super cool, um, super humble, really funny. Wow. So insightful. Um, his idea is that he wants to shift the way people relate to power. And like that seriously Ooh. like gives me chills. Gives you, oh, it does. <laughs> she just held her arm up. Right? Right. So and, right? Look at him. <laughs> and talk about gender equality and shifting how people respond. Mm-hmm. To, it's almost the definition. Of, yes. Of how can we look at power differently? Yeah. Right? Instead how do of we the relate, old boys network. Right. How do we relate to our own power? How do we relate to a power structure? Um, how do we step into, like, what leadership looks like? So my whole background is, maybe not the whole background, but a big portion of it is in talent and leadership development mm-hmm. and helping people fulfill their potential and that kind of thing, um, which I love and I'm honored to do. And it's, like, such a joy for me. Um But what leadership development looks like in most organizations is sort of this add-on. And there's this systemic thing that when I, you know, I take people through a year-long intensive leadership development program, and they learn all, they have all these insights about, um, you know, authenticity and vulnerability and um, their ego and how to make decisions and how to communicate better, all of those things. And then they're you know, they go back into that macro environment mm-hmm. and kind of none of that stuff winds up applying. Ooh. So <laughs> leadership development, employee engagement programs, culture programs, all those things that you see companies doing are to try to fix some of that stuff that Brian Robertson looked at it and he said, I want to I want to fix the system. There's the underlying framework that we're trying to fix from all these different and some of and they help some sure. um but he he was going at it from you know this sort of really deep transformative place yeah. like and let's just ownership. take the whole rug out from underneath the whole thing and rebuild it from rebuild scratch it. oh my gosh rebuild the rule set rebuild the game so so what's the deal with <laughs> i still don't understand it okay yeah. you what's the deal with you this? don't um i still don't understand it um like in a the lot of no ways. managers thing is so right in my head i'm like how does that work and i know from my research there's circles mm-hmm. so yeah 
Like, how would a company of 20 people be organized with a holacracy? So, holacracy gives you the rules of the game. Okay. And it does not tell you how to organize your company. It does not tell you what your company's purpose should be. It does not tell you how to pay your people. It doesn't, it doesn't answer all those questions. What okay. it does is give you a framework to make those decisions a lot more transparent okay. and put that seat of power um, not in a manager and not in a CEO. So let me describe to you really, really quick how I became, in, like how I'm now in this holacracy advocate role. Okay. So this role was created in what's called a governance meeting. And a governance meeting is a very structured way of changing the organizational structure. So all sorts of orgs that I've worked for, some of them are well, very well known for constantly laying off people and reorganizing. And this would take right. like a year or longer to sure. do. And then by the time you're done with the reorg, you have to do it again. Right. So it's like this constant thing. And it stops being relevant. Like how you reorganize reorganize stops being relevant. So in a governance meeting, the point is kind of like an agile software development process. It's to be super iterative about the roles that you create, the policies that you bring up. So there can be anybody, a brand new person within an organization who can say, hey, this is getting in the way of me, like something is getting in the way of me doing my job well. Mm -hmm. They call that attention. If they want to be able to expect for somebody else to do something on an ongoing basis that's going to help them with their job and their role, they can bring that to governance and they can say, hey, you're in the role of podcast scheduler and I need to be at each of those. So I'm looking at Ronnie and saying like she say, she has this role mm -hmm. and I need for her to tell me in advance what those dates are going to be. And that's not something that she has a clear accountability for yet in her role. So I can say, I want to add this to her list of accountabilities. And then, and everybody who is part of this circle is invite, invited to this governance meeting. That has something to do with that process. Circle's purpose. Right? Yes. Okay. So that tension can get processed there in governance. And in a couple of minutes, if nobody sees any reason why adding that accountability to a role would cause harm in the business, like get in the way of them doing their job. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it, not even does everybody need to agree. They don't have to agree that it's a good idea. That's not what you're going for. What you're going for is if this is going to reduce her tension, then we can get that accountability added. Okay. If somebody sees some sort of reason why it's going to cause harm so before, in the business, then we in the we old would. way you do this is I'd have a tension where Ronnie would be impacting my job because I needed her to do something different, mm -hmm. and I would just bitch about it. Right. <laughs> right. Seriously. Uh huh. And probably to or everybody, tell your boss, and yeah. he would just ignore you. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'd bitch about it usually to everybody, but. Ronnie. Right. <laughs> right. Everybody but Ronnie. Right. Right. And so Ronnie in, was the only one who could do anything really about it. Or if in this case, I would go to Ronnie, I'd probably get tired of that not doing anything and finally go and plead with Ronnie. Could you please, um, as a podcast schedule, scheduler, 
add this to your job, Mm -hmm. to your everyday responsibilities. And Ronnie would go, I'm already overwhelmed. I'm not asking. I'm not adding that job. Right. And so then it'd be me against Ronnie. Yes. But you not doing that's making my life hell and Uh in my life more important than yours. And then we go through (laughs) that whole thing. Then you have all this. It's ugly. It can get ugly. Or I'd go to her boss and make her boss tell her to do it. Mm -hmm. This is the way it works today. It's all. Yeah. Then you escalate. and Right. Whereas this is more joint empowerment Mm -hmm. where you and you have a, a process, a governance meeting, where you bring that forward and suggest yeah. that when you see these process improvements. Mm-hmm. So this role, the holacracy advocate role, which is not my primary role, oh, it is sure. one of the four roles that I that I play. Sure, it was um, changed through a governance process. Um, so it used to be a holacracy coach role, which in our definition was kind of a reactive role. Like if somebody came to whoever was in that role, energizing that role, um, and asked for some coaching, then that would be one of their accountabilities. But it was not a proactive role. Right. So we switched it to be a more proactive role. And then the person who had been in it um, couldn't serve in that same capacity. So they requested to be removed from the because they didn't have the skills needed for either it. Either the skills or the Time bandwidth. Or they are they are yeah. already serving the organization in eight different roles. Right. So my lead link, who happens to be my CEO, assigned. He checked with me and he said, "Are you interested in energizing the role of holacracy advocate?" And, and the, I said, "Absolutely." And the reason What's a lead link. Right? There's all these terms. So (laughs) many terms. It's a a very different language. Yeah. Um, So a lead link has certain accountabilities. The easiest translation is that you would think of them as like the manager of the team, but that's not what they're doing at all. But if you're trying to make a translation, it's sort of a false translation, but it's sort of how people think about it to begin with. Got it. it. Um, But the lead link has... Um, it's a it's a role that they play. Mm-hmm. They have accountabilities to um, change the purpose of a circle. They can assign roles. So if a role was created in governance, then yeah. part of their accountability is to assign that. If they don't assign it, that role falls to them. Okay. Okay. And do they kind of assign, or do they commu- are they the person that communicates from one circle to another circle? No, so there's um, rep links that do that, that connect okay. the circles. So think of a representative. Okay. Um, so each of the circles have a certain kind of, um, there's boundaries between them. Mm-hmm. And the rep links and the lead links kind of make sure that the, cur- the circles stay connected, if you Got, know. It. Got it. And Got it. communication flows and all of mm-hmm. that. But these lead links seem to have a little higher measure power they seem to but they don't okay can you have somebody in a lead link that sucks at it and you have to demote them like well it wouldn't be a demotion <laughs> I mean, you know or but take that could, away from them. yes i mean that can does that happen, happen. All? okay that can absolutely happen uh, is there a concern when it's so self-organizing that the doormats of an organization end up doing yeah. all the work and the delegators of an organization end up not mm. doing that much work mm. Because I feel like that already kind of happens in yeah. a traditional work setting. And then this almost seems like it would be. Yeah, more. the people that are good at getting stuff done get more stuff. Exactly. The way different organizations practice holacracy, and it is an evolving practice. It's not like you're handed this thing and you just 
like you evolve with it. And if you don't, it dies. Sure. So what I have seen people who are a little hesitant to step into their power. They are so accustomed to having a manager tell them what to do Mm -hmm. and prioritize for them and delegate to them and tell them what's important. And in this setting, they have a list of really clear accountabilities. There's so much clarity about what you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. And the burden of leadership is on you. Wow. You can't I rely. Like you can't rely on some. Like mm-hmm. so, when when I don't get something done, I can't say, "Well, Wendy didn't make a decision on if I could do this or not." Right? Because you're responsible. I'm responsible for it. Right. So I have observed some people who just struggle. This is a hard change. Like if mm-hmm. this whole thing about the relationship to power, we're taught from the earliest age, you know, parent-child relationship, t- student-teacher relationship. It's so ingrained in oh, us yeah. to the point that, like I was saying, when you start a company, you're not even thinking that there's another way to, to right. do it. Organize. Yeah. To you. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the, the challenges, I think, that I haven't um, – there's there's certainly plenty of challenges. And even Brian Robertson would say, like, if it's not working for you or, you know, you've got a bunch of – what did you – you said doormats? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> doormats. Yeah. <laughs> Um, People that get, you know, walked yeah, all over yeah, and right. pick up all the slack. Like if you've, if it's not working for you, go back. Sure. That's okay. Sure. Now, the closest I've seen anything like this is when I had to be the first director to, I, I got the chance, not had to be, but got the chance <laughs> to um, implement Agile yeah. as a development process mm-hmm. And bring in a product to market instead of this waterfall method where it's iterative and you do pair programming with coders and coders are individuals. They don't like to be paired up with other people. So (laughs) they want to work solo in their basement. (laughs) Not everybody, right? There's Mm -hmm. those people. I mean, I had those people. If they had a window, I could shove their assignment to and shut it and they do it and then they open it and give it back to me. (laughs) They like at the been, bank. They would have been happy. <laughs> so it was funny when I had to do this because I had people who were learners, who didn't like working with other people, who mm-hmm. didn't want to pair programmed. And so I had to spend as much time figuring out who could do those new roles. And to be honest, some people couldn't make the shift. Mm-hmm. So is that happened with this where a person is a um, just shut up and code kind of or shut up and row kind of person Mm -hmm. who needs a boss that tells them what to do each day that doesn't fit in, doesn't fit into the company anymore. I think a number of other variables would need to be taken into account before saying they don't fit into the company. Sure. Um, Just because they're not participating in the practice of holacracy doesn't mean that they're not energizing their role. Okay. And of value. So we would say, like, rather than having a bunch of useless meetings, we say at the beginning of our tactical meetings, which we haven't talked about yet, that's a different type of meeting, and it's a way to practice holacracy, but holacracy is not a meeting structure. Centric kind of thing. Well, it's a... It's a lot more. Holacracy is a lot more Mm -hmm. than a meeting structure. Sure. Um, But there is structure within the meeting that allows for you to practice some of the concepts of holacracy. Well, at at the beginning of a tactical meeting, we have a check-in and people will say, uh, check or no check on I'm here and I'm ready to contribute fully to the meeting. And they are 
allowed to leave. If they say no check to that, they're like, I've got a hundred other things that I need to prioritize in order for me to energize my role. We're not going to make them sit there okay. in that tactical meeting. So if they're not part, right? <laughs> a free pass out of a yeah. go. meeting. You well, don't need right. To be and it's oddly <laughs> enough, the they're not. Then they're downside. They have to go along with whatever is come up with, with well, all the people. That could be a downside, yeah. Okay. So you That's kind of the person you were just describing, though. They don't yeah. care. They, yeah, they, you're right. They don't, mm-hmm. like, decide what you decide. Just right. tell me what I need to do. Well, and mm-hmm. do you think one of the advantages to this, that was one of the questions I really wanted to ask you, is what's the advantage? And and you see maybe some disadvantages yep. or some challenges, is a better way to put mm-hmm. it, with what why companies go to this. Because one of the ones I'd want to say is, does this help you actually have more productive meetings and a more productive way of interacting with other people to get shit done that's the idea okay does it because sign me up does it play out that (laughs) way um i find our meetings to be very effective efficient there's a lot of structures so people think about holacracy and they're like it sounds like lord of the flies or whatever like what <laughs> anarchy what is going on and there's so much structure and that's one of the advantages i think is that structure creates clarity and right. if you think about part of what a leader's job is to do it's not like i feel like in this complex world that we're in it's less about trying to kind of predict and control because you can't predict there's so no. much volatility VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, that you can't really predict what's going to happen and control that. Yeah, you can only Um, hopefully incent people to act in the best interest of the company and their role in mm -hmm. the company is the way I would look at it. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, like, empower people to do the right thing, hopefully for the customer. Mm -hmm. Because do you, this whole um, tension between shareholders and customers does it get fixed with this i wouldn't say that this it is intended to get the individual who is working with a customer kind of closer to making decisions for that customer and there's a really good example from um Zappos. So they're probably the largest, most well-known organization that practices holo- mm-hmm. holacracy. Wow. Um, there's a funny story. Their CEO, okay. he made a phone call to their, you know, Zappos sells like shoes and yeah, handbags sure. and yep. stuff. Love them. So, right? <laughs> yeah. Love their <laughs> so, stuff. <laughs> love their stuff. Yeah. Um, and they say their purpose is like delivering happiness, which is a whole other, the whole idea of purpose and holacracy being purpose-driven that's super powerful, too, and I think a really good advantage. I agree. Um, but so Tony makes this phone call to the you know customer service desk, and he's in a city that he doesn't know, and he's like, can you, can you help me find a pizza? They don't, like, deliver pizza, but they do <laughs> deliver happiness. So their the customer, customer service, service person is empowered to – Say, all right, I'm going to, I'll make a phone call to the closest pizza place to where you are. <laughs> or I'll bring up, you a pizza. and Or the, I'll even bring up my, what's the, Yelp? Sure. And find the best, the closest the best pizza one. to you. Right. And I'll figure out who it is. <laughs> well, Wendy, this is a real story oh, that actually happened. This is crazy. a real story. <laughs> I'm not telling it that well, but this is a real story. That's crazy. So what else is crazy is this person did not know it was their CEO that was calling. Oh, I love it. Was calling as a as a Undercover customer boss. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. That's neat. So it's it's supposed to get the the people who are interacting with the customer closer to being able to make decisions that can actually in help service them. to yes. their purpose. Yeah. Okay, but tell us more of the advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, advantages. So agency and decision making, I feel like that one's really, really huge. Agency means agency. Freedom. Like you have yeah. Freedom. Freedom. Let it rain. I knew a word you didn't know. I love it. (laughs) That's the first time that's happened. Yeah, but does Wendy lord it over you when she knows a word that you don't know? No, that's because it happens to you all the time. Uh Thank you. Please continue, Debbie. So freedom and freedom and power. Freedom and power in decision making. That's so cool. Agency. If you've gone through that whole process of having to like socialize a change and get buy-in. And I was in the midst at my former employer of creating these change management programs yes. so that we could figure out how can we get people to adapt to change and be more resilient, knowing that change is going to happen. And stakeholder management was part of that. All of this like socialization, we can, in Holacracy, make autocratic decisions, Wow. which I was thinking... It, this feels democratic to yes. me in a lot of ways, and it's not. Yeah, There's, it puts the decision making at the right place. Right. So I can make autocratic decisions without checking with anyone if it fulfills my purpose, is correlated to my accountabilities, and if it does not infringe upon the domain of somebody else. Wow. A domain is kind of like a domicile, like yeah. it's your home, right? So if yes. somebody has. Somebody has control over what they do in their kitchen and what color they paint right. the baseboards. Right. Your neighbor can't tell you that. Yeah. It's your domain. I love it. it. That's crazy. So I can do, I mean, that agency and decision making is amazing. Then who does your performance reviews? So at my organization, we have not implemented performance reviews. Oh, um, that's a positive. We, I, I think so. I, performance management, I feel like is in so many ways, the bane of corporate America. It is. It's not driving the right behaviors. Bosses hate it. I hated it as a manager. Really? It was hell for two months. Yeah. (laughs) You had to write the performance reviews and you had to um, talk to people and then you had to calibrate Mm -hmm. your ratings. It it was all, you, you just felt pressure and stress all the time. It's an exercise in futility too, because it's not a positive. It's not driving. Yeah, it's not driving more efficiency. It's not driving nope. more effectiveness. So there are some holocratic organizations that have created ways to do performance reviews and in a different way that are connected to the holocratic kind of underlying values and philosophy. But y'all haven't done that We're yet. We're not right now. Right. Do you have an HR person there? I'm as close as you get. Okay. Kind of. There's, a, there's somebody who handles... Some of our benefits administration, okay. um, there's somebody who does recruiting. Got it. Um, who does an awesome job at that and hiring diverse candidates. I'm super proud of what our constituency looks like Wow. Um, in terms of, you know, male to female um, and all sorts of other qualifiers on sure. diversity. So it's, it's really awesome. Well, and you could look at pay equity yeah. as a... We're just going to do an audit. Mm-hmm. We're just going to run an audit with all our yeah. people yeah. yearly and make sure it, mm-hmm. all the roles that are equal, they're getting paid yeah. within range, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But since you don't have any titles, you have to like, it seems like you have to assign some sort of monetary value 
to or the a range of salary yeah. range to each role. I think it would be so, but, but it has to be roles like are separate than people. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so like I have four right. roles. Yeah, right. I could have four or five. So each one has have... to be worth a certain amount of yeah <laughs> money. <laughs> like or Brian something. Robertson in his organization, Holacracy One, he has thirty-one roles. Wow. Which. For me, I feel like is super cool because I've created two roles in the organization already yep. that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. I have that kind of flexibility to create a new role. So does anybody else. And to energize those roles. But it is separate than like paying – because we pay people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not you like you got them. 30 different ba- bank yeah. accounts for each of your exactly. um, right. roles exactly. that you're wow. that you're playing. Wow. So how well, that, how would you even do an audit then? That's what I'm wondering. Uh, if you didn't have well, any titles. I mean, you'd have to start to look at uh, have you done this yet? I have haven't. Um cuz you know this big deal with trying to figure out pay equity mm, is of where course. they come in and mm-hmm. most most HR systems as um Benio said at uh Salesforce, "Oh, well, you just push a button and it runs an audit." But <laughs> You know, this is what the CEO thinks, right? Yeah. Um, but you would have to actually figure you out. You have to do some pretty serious assessments. Right. Of, of, of roles, the, the level, the impact, mm-hmm. all yes. of that. And it'd be and even it, more challenging if you're not doing performance reviews also. Oh, yeah. One thing that I will say, though, in that, you know, sort of pay gap, pay equity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. arena that I have noticed. Um, so first of all, we're super transparent as an ESOP about our financials. We don't share people's salaries, but I know how the company is doing on a monthly basis down to the penny, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. Um, But what I've seen with um, some of the roles, so we've got a few elected roles, a facilitator, it's somebody who does the structure, sort of holds the structure of a governance meeting and a tactical meeting Mm -hmm. um, on a recurring basis. Um, There's also a secretary. And I had noticed in other organizations where usually the note taker fell to, to the, the woman. To the woman. Yes. Almost always. Yes. Most of our secretaries are men. Interesting. And the secretary role is different. It's not just a note taker yeah. role. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of other, other accountabilities related to it. Sure. But it's just interesting to me that... To watch this. That, I bet. That doesn't seem so gendered yes and what leadership what effective leadership looks like yeah doesn't look like in a holacracy it doesn't look so much like you would expect i mean do you know how many companies actually use it's around a thousand really that's there's an open source constitution so the constitution is a 32 page document wow ronnie i wanted to tell you one of these stories because i know how much you like soccer because i listen to a couple (laughs) of of the podcasts but the the story is like you don't learn soccer by reading the 400 page fifa rule book right like probably megan rapino has not even read that rule book Mm -hmm. um but there's an open source rule book that gives you the framework that you can then apply to your company and then evolve from there. Right. So there's about a thousand companies right now that are known that are using it. Maybe fifteen hundred. Right. Um, a lot of them in Europe. Interesting. It seems to be more 
popular huh. there for some reason. So we're just if power, we were going we're power Europeans. We're okay. power hungry here. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, maybe. Um, Big Girl Money Podcast gets so big that we have 100 employees. Mm-hmm. And we want to implement this. Yeah. How, how and I'm asking this well, as I'll a, help you. A, Yay! So, so I'm wondering how would a listener who has a 20 person company mm-hmm. or a hundred person company they want to try this out? How do you yeah. even do that? So I think what is most recommended. This is a journey. So we're three years in on the whole across holocratic journey. Yes, it's a deep transformative change that right. it's really hard to make, and. The idea is that it takes somewhere around five years to get to a place where wow. you've not it's only flowing. stabilized the process, but that you're reaping all the benefits, benefits of, of it. it. So usually what it would require, it, like there's been a couple of organizations that have taken the Constitution, read the book, watched some videos, and gone with it. I don't know how well they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and... Holacracy One probably doesn't even know that they're doing it. Sure. Um, they've had some people contact them and say, hey, I've, you know, we've been playing around with this for uh-huh. a while. I mean, it's sort of like learning yoga, right? It's a practice. And you could sure. read some books. You could, you know, read the yoga sutras. And you could watch some yoga videos. And and maybe you're, maybe you're practicing it well in five years and, like, yeah. reaping all of those residual benefits of it. But maybe you're not. Maybe you've thrown your back out somewhere along the way. And, you know, it's <laughs> right. just like looking pretty ugly. Yeah. So I, they, would, they would suggest that you get a holacracy coach. Got it. Um, somebody to help you make this transition. Right. But there is one really critical step that has to happen. If you've been operating, you're not a brand new startup. And you've um, been you've operating, been operating in some way. with that pyramid hierarchical structure Mm -hmm. and you want to move to a distributed power and authority structure the ceo has to sign over her or his power to the constitution whoa and this is done like actual signage wow the power is no longer yep so the seat of power in holacracy lies in the constitution is it what is the constitution? Does every company have its own constitution? No, so there's that open source document, oh, 32 pages. And that is the that's constitution. The rule book. Right. Uh, and it's called the constitution. It's called the con- We're the going to act this way. I am not. It sounds like kind of like a hippy dippy ceremony. <laughs> well, there is something I, to be said for the like ritualistic part of it to okay. say, I'm yeah. signing over my power. Right. It's symbolic. It's no long it's symbolic, yeah. right. It's no longer mine as the CEO. Power now resides here. There's this really critical piece for the CEO not only to do that signing over of power, but if somebody goes back into their bad habits and says, Okay, you know, now I'm gonna go ask permission. So in yes. democracy, permission is granted. Right. It, you By don't your role. have to request it exactly. I, so, I love that part. So if I if I came to you as the CEO and I said, "Hey, what should I do about this?" You don't actually have the authority to tell me what to do. Wow. So you have to say as the CEO, "I don't have the authority to." Oh God, this will be you so much fun to, to watch. <laughs> there should be a reality, reality TV show. show. Oh. There should totally be a reality TV show on this, yeah, right? It would be pretty because wild. Because what we had to do. It would be do, wild. This is so neat, though. So, yeah. Ronnie, would you, how would, you speak for all millennials. 
um, now. Yes, so I do. how do you think <laughs> millennials would would respond to this? I think they'd be super into it if I had to speak on because it's purpose driven. Well, I feel <laughs> that like was the only thing I was thinking. I think it's just because millennials are often in entry level positions. A lot of us are. Yeah, and half like half of our job is just keeping our bosses happy and not even Ooh. like fulfilling what our purpose at the company is. Or if you have an idea, you have mm-hmm. to like sit there and be like, okay, who am I going to pitch this to? Should I email this person? Should I email? Who's the best person to actually get or this idea rolling? You have to go mm-hmm. and you have to say, okay, I want to pitch it to that person, but it has to be his idea. So I have to go and figure out who does he, the whole thing. who does he listen to? It is a crazy thing. Yeah. A lot of wasted effort. Mm-hmm. I also think this, System has no room for people that aren't going to be hardworking, that have been, because there's so many people in standard corporations that don't do anything and they have their job and it's fine because they can delegate it or they have excuses and nobody notices because it's a huge corporation. I had a boss like that. Especially managers, like the first tier of managers can get away with not doing a damn thing, in my opinion. A lot of them. Wow. Don't. And there doesn't seem to be any And room now they'll have a role. Because you'd be like, yeah, these are your roles. And, and you're in the circle. Yeah. <laughs> and the circle ain't happy. Yeah. The circle's not moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are you so, doing there? Yeah. I do wonder, though, like I think about if this would change what happened at some of the companies I've been in and the like VP level older employees just being kind of stripped of their power. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a hard pill to swallow. Oh yeah. Are there people that And that's that what leave? I think about baby boomers. Like, ooh, you're used to being in fact when people lose their job, a big piece of that is losing their identity mm-hmm. and they move to a new job or uh, they have real problems with that because yeah. they have defined success as a level or a title, mm-hmm. not not a role. Yeah. So to get people to move to this, an entire company would be so interesting to watch. Yeah, and they're not coming to the realization on their own, kind of like you were saying. Like you were like, it gave me goosebumps to rethink about <laughs> yeah, power. Yeah, power. But if somebody can't give you that realization, you have to kind of come to it on your oh, own. Oh, yeah. So then if all of a sudden your company's changing yeah. stuff, then you're not a VP anymore. So the biggest yeah. time I hit this this thing where um, in my career where the, the company had made a change on how we were going after getting customers – And I disagreed with it. I mean, adamantly. But it was made at a level, you know, two above me, two, three above me. And I was a manager at the time. And I'll never forget my, I was pretty vocal about this is not the right way to go. I gave it to the right people. And finally, my um, director said to me, Wendy, you've got two choices. You can align behind this change because it's already been decided above you. At, at a different level, or you can get out. Jeez. Mm. But he said it that clearly, and it was... That is not holocratic. No. <laughs> but it was, it did make me think, how many people are you around that the company has shifted away you're going to do something, mm-hmm. and they continue to drag their feet and to make it so painful for everybody around you? And it was this just... You've got to get over this. You've either either decide to leave, right? It was a big turning point for me. With this, it feels like you would have 
decided and talked about that change in a very different way. Very different way. I but love also the how frame in which you're bringing issues up is very different. Right. How would you even and make a decision though? Because Wendy has just as much power of the decision as whoever strongly disagrees with her. How okay. do you? How do so you... this is about not causing harm. So we don't all have to agree. It's not, oh, okay. you don't get stuck in this consensus kind of thing. Oh, I like that. So, I mean, I was working prior job at like getting people to rethink what consensus meant which was like everybody has a voice everybody felt heard they're Mm -hmm. willing to go along but there's just all that like inertia in consensus yeah so the question at hand when when wendy brings this tension about how you're doing how to go to targeting going to market yeah targeting customers that's exactly it and so you bring up this tension from a certain role. So you would say this tension is coming from this role. Yep. And here's what I propose we do differently. Yes. What happens in a facilitated dialogue is not the loudest person gets ho- heard, which or is makes so the decision. often or makes the decision. Um, but everybody has a chance to ask clarifying questions about your proposal, about how you think we should do it. And why. And, yep. Yep, right. Yep. And so we can say, okay, tell me a little bit more about why you're thinking this or that or this. So we go around, we can ask clarifying questions. And then we ask a very specific question. Is there any reason why adopting this proposal would cause harm? And if people can't think of a reason why it would cause harm you have to, to the try business. It. And there's reasons why things would cause harm. And there's a way sure. to check the objection. So it's kind of an objection or no objection, like as if yeah. you're a lawyer, right, wow. with a gavel. But it has to be related to does it cause harm? And then is it harm to your role or is it harm to something else? So there's a series of questions. Even harm to your profitability, harm right. to your um, to customer satisfaction. It could be any of those mm-hmm. things. Got yeah. it. So what happens if somebody says, yes, that does cause harm? Well, then we try to we process the objection. And okay. talk we try through to, it? We try to integrate it, it okay. so that that proposal, you can adjust the pro- proposal and governance mm-hmm. live, real time, to say, okay, I hadn't thought about that. It does cause harm to in this. way. This, to this. Okay, how can we integrate that in, change the proposal so it no longer causes harm? And you get the benefit of the still... proposal without causing the harm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to watch one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. Now, oh, I would love you that. You know what it reminds me of is I used to tell people, you know, you jump into having a baby so like brainlessly. I mean, you just kind of decide, let's not use protection tonight. <laughs> I mean, and most, that people, what well, most people say, hey, it's about time. We should, you know, let's think about having a, a baby. Okay. And then you, and it's usually, hey, we're going on this trip. Wouldn't it be cool if we just decided to start trying on this trip? It's usually something different. At least it was with us. Okay. If you're not preventing, then you're trying. Right, right. So <laughs> what kills me is once I had the baby and it changes your life so much that it was like, wow, I'm glad I did not know mm. how hard this would effing be because <laughs> I would have never had kids. Mm-hmm. And it is. That's a really good analogy pa- to this, part actually. Part of this is because if you set up and said, okay, Jody, you're the CEO of this company and you've talked about whole 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 rate. yep you got it not holarchy that's Holar- wrong no a holarchy Hol- is another way of saying like versus hierarchy okay holarchy yeah um 
you think about, you've talked about this, but let me tell you what it's really like. Mm -hmm. The kids are going to get you up at two in the morning and they're going (laughs) to throw up on you. And you're so tired because you haven't slept the last five nights anyway because the other brother has been up every night. So I'm telling you, this this sucks. And you need to understand how hard this is going to be. And he just turns around and walks away and goes, no, no way in hell am I trying this. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm part of me is kind of, how do you ever get anybody to understand what they're getting into? But So the they're not surprised. The only way to learn this, and the, the reason I was so excited about it, and I really am still super excited about it, is because the only way to learn it is to play the game. You don't learn soccer by reading the rule book. Right. You just can't. Right? Yes. So well, and- I wanted to be in this arena because... We've been doing this other thing for a hundred years, and, and it ain't working. I mean, it's been wildly successful by it, a lot of it arguments. Can it's, okay. Be. And it's, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, be. I. It's very masculine driven, though, right? Yeah. It is. And the reason I wanted you to come in was because of your excitement about it. But in hindsight, if a CEO came to me and talked about this, I'd tell him all the tough stuff. <laughs> then I'd tell him all the great stuff. It's. It's so different. So it's so interesting to learn. Yeah, it's so interesting to learn that there's even another option, like you were saying, that you don't even have to do it the way that everybody else is doing it. That wouldn't have Mm -hmm. even occurred to you. And I think that the idea is it sounds like it's really difficult, a five-year process to transition from, Mm -hmm. you know, a traditional hierarchy. But if people start to know about this and then they see it work, then people have their startups, then they just do it from the beginning. Yeah. It's way less It may be easier from the beginning. It would have to be. It might be. Or 20 people in. Yeah. Not 500 people in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think what I'd like the, the listeners to get out of this is just the importance of looking at how things could be different Mm -hmm. and understanding what else is out there in case you do have a very dysfunctional organization that you could try this in, Mm -hmm. even in a small piece of it. Right. Right. You could, you could try this in forward looking work in a company Mm -hmm. or customer service, maybe in a company, maybe you could try it out in a little way. Yeah. You play the game in a, I think you could try it out in some sort of community forum. Right. Oh, yeah. Why not? I'm Ooh, part I'd of love the, my HOA to be I, like this. I'm part of the corral, <laughs> the, the Colorado corral, and it's a possibility that maybe their board meetings run right. holocratically and they could te- – I mean, there's so many different laboratories and test beds to hey, try out Hey, you and Parker things. could do it in your little relationship. <laughs> you could. Have roles. And Chris I and I like, could I do it. I feel like you and I already do it. You We're do? a little two-person holacracy. Don't you oh, think? Oh, I like that we idea. We each have our specific little, you know, You're roles right. that we do for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. But we always make decisions together. Yes. And basically, you can't do anything unless I think it's going to harm the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't do anything if you so think Ronnie it's going to harm the podcast. Ronnie has domain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we both do. We kind of yeah. do whatever we want as long as the other person isn't dr- dramatically opposed. Yeah. And right? and uh, Ronnie thinks she's a lead link, but no, just <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. This has been so engaging yes. and interesting. I'd I... love to know other 
before we sign off, reading materials that oh, yes. I can read and listeners can yes. read if yeah, they want to know absolutely. more about it. Absolutely. There's tons. If you go on Holacracy One, okay. um, I'm not like a representative of theirs or anything like that, but I have been trained by them. There's a lot of videos, okay. TED Talks, all sorts of things like that. Brian okay. Robert, Robertson tells some great stories. He also has a book called Holacracy. Wow. Um, yellow Cover is a good it's actually a really good read. Cool. Really. There's so much out there, actually. So interesting. Is this something but, people are learning in, like, business school now? I wonder. I don't... I would think not. Yeah. I've heard some self-organizing teams kind of talk in university settings. Because we used to call it self-directed teams. Yep. Yeah. Right? But this uh, is this different is a much broader framework This is that. really broad. This yeah. is a whole company broad. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at how how few schools were teaching in engineering agile development. I couldn't mm. believe how few were, and this was oh. a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not say that. But what would be interesting is to ask, um, like it would be a business school curriculum, like Leeds, right? Maybe. Yeah. So ask Stephanie Johnson if they're, oh, anybody's if doing they're it. If they're doing it, yeah. yeah. And I'll be a guest speaker there. I love Ooh, it. Look yeah. If they're not doing it. You I would go. love that. You go, girl. It. Oh, gosh. Well, thank so you for cool being that here. It avoids reorgs because reorgs are the worst. Exactly. In my first job, I went through three reorgs and I was there for eight months. Oh, and it caused so much havoc every single time. Every exactly. time. Yeah. Well, think of this as like a like a constant miniature reorg right like just but it's adaptive it's adaptive to what's actually going on in reality it's iterative almost yeah it is good use the word iterative yeah (laughs) agency and using the word iterative (laughs) i am smarter today because of ronnie (laughs) i am and you and you deb i'm smarter today every day because of you and oh oh and and you're awesome today debbie yes This was really cool. And can't wait for you to come back. Yeah, have me back in a year. Okay, put it on the calendar. We got it. (laughs) Debbie. Wow. The Debster. Man, wasn't that interesting? I know. So fun to hear about something I never... You know what I was worried about when I started this podcast? What? That we would run out of content and interesting things to talk about holy moly no. opposite problem yeah this like i would never even have heard of this right and it's so cool right and i'm excited to read the book she recommended and dive deeper right and if anybody out there has any personal stories good or bad about a holocratic organization we want to hear them especially like if there was a zappos guy out there that's oh. actually living it yeah we got any zappos wouldn't listeners? that be so cool to hear their perspective yes i would love to i love it hit us up Slide into Wendy's LinkedIn DM. <laughs> Which doesn't exist. It's just messaging. <laughs> That's what DM is. Oh, slide into my Wait, do you know LinkedIn what, do you know message. what DM stands for? Distinct messaging? <laughs> what is it? That was close. Direct messaging. Direct messaging? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. We've been saying. <laughs> I'm so glad I could be there like, for That's you. That's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> okay. So... I'm already feeling good, but make me feel even better with your Big Girl Spotlight. And I love this one this week. Our Big Girl Spotlight of the week is Haley Johnson. Okay. Who's Haley Johnson? She created Project Free to Fly. Haley had a simple vision to help women in her community overcome obstacles like addiction, homelessness, and abuse. 
Oh my God. Isn't that cool? Yes. So Project Free to Fly teaches the skill of sewing as a transitional employment opportunity for women recovering from these circumstances. Interesting. Isn't that great? Yes. The products the women make as employees of Project Free to Fly are sold locally in a downtown Cleveland, Tennessee store, as well as an online shop. Wow. The beautifully crafted handbags, totes, and clutches, jewelry, and portfolios... Do you know what a portfolio? Mm-mm. It's like um, like a binder, briefcase, or the thing that you put your laptop in. Portfolio. Oh, okay, okay. Um, would rival the work of other custom and high-end ho- ho- handmade bags. Wow, isn't that cool? Yes. So, Project Free to Fly is answering one of the most critical questions in destructive dependency: What happens in the space between recovery and sustainability? The answer to that question question can make or break those dealing with addiction, abuse, homelessness, or other destructive cycles of dependency. It's in that space where relapse most often occurs, where those in abusive situations find themselves returning to old environments and mm. usually old people, mm-hmm. you know. And it's in that space where recovery can feel miles away from sustainability. So Project Free to Fly works with the main rehabilitation programs in the city of Cleveland to identify women who are ready to make the move from recovery to a sustainable life. The organization then hires the women and teaches them all the skills that they need to manufacture the products that are sold in their shop. So Jessica is one of the Free to Fly employees benefiting from this amazing organization, and she talks about how to really change the trajectory of her life. Once, she says, once you get into addiction and get in so deep with it, you know it's just hard to stop. It's really just hard to stop on your own. For a lot of people, it takes help to get you out of the environment that you came from. Wow. This is the longest Jessica has ever had a job, and she admits that she wouldn't be there where she is today without support. She's been there two years. Wow. When Free to Fly came in, they were like, what do you want to do with your life? What's your next step? What goals do you have? You know, let us help you. Wow. Isn't that cool? I love this lady. Yeah. She's combining Haley. The yes, daughter, Haley. Is combine, combining, is that the right yes. word? Yes. Combining two things that you wouldn't think would go together, two different passions, helping right. people, homeless, addiction, all the, helping people in need. Yes. And then I'm sure she has a passion for sewing, sewing. and these yeah. handbags and accessories. Totally. Put them together. What a beautiful thing. Isn't it cool? Yes. So amazing. So in addition to mentoring, the women take programs and classes to provide life skills training, like how to manage a budget, how to manage time, how to deal with conflict, or even how to perform regular car maintenance. Wow. The goal with so all independent, of, independent I know, women. I know. The goal with all of the programming is to help the woman feel empowered and to grow in their skill so that when it comes time for them to be on their own, they're equipped. So we love what this organization is doing. And if you'd like to donate, please go to Project Free to the number fly.com. Love it. Great big girl spotlight. Yes. And again, it's exactly what you said at the beginning. We make the big girl money, not just for our own benefit, mm-hmm. but really to make a difference in the world. And women Amen, are really sister. good at that. Yeah. Women are good at that. They are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. We and I, I love think women. Entre- I love you. I, mean, I love every woman. I love everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of love in this room. 
All right. Thanks, Wendy. That made me feel all warm and tingly as usual. Me too. So great episode. And we look forward to the next one and meeting some really great next guests as well as talking about our next Big Girl Scale. That's right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Girl Money. We appreciate your support. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're on Instagram and Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. And remember, we love getting email mm-hmm. about your questions and stories. I mean, it knowing that we can make an impact mm-hmm. is one of the reasons we love doing this so much. So email us at biggirlmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And check out our website, which is biggirlmoney.com. So if you like us, that makes all the big difference in the world. So what do they do, Ronnie, if they like us? Well, Wendy, let me tell you. If they <laughs> like us, they should leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast so others can find us. Yeah, and please share it so that other people can find us too. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.